Everyone, welcome back to another episode of Vancouver Real. I'm one of your co-hosts, Mike Zaremba, and with me is my brother, Andy. Hello, everybody. Good to see you again, and welcome back. And I'm really excited for today's episode. And if you uh, tune into the Periscope, mm. we had a little, we had a little sample of our guest's work today, and it is pretty badass, I gotta say. Yes. So yeah, thanks for joining us, and uh, of course, check us out on uh, www.VancouverRealTV, and of course, if you like what you hear today, leave us a, a review on iTunes and Stitcher Radio, and of course, give us a follow at uh, Floating Yogi on Instagram, and Thank you. at Andy Zaremba on Twitter and Instagram, boom. Excellent. All right. And uh, we are podcasting as per norm from 70 West Cordova Street, This was, which is Float House. Floathouse.com is our website. We have two locations here in Vancouver and one in Victoria, South Surrey, which is also in the lower mainland of British Columbia here, and Langley, which is, man, rapidly approaching. We're going to be opening that probably sometime in March. Um and we're really excited about that bad boy. Mm-hmm. So, so stay tuned for updates about that. And if you have any uh, questions about floating, we got great information on our website. Lots of resources there. So tap into those, floathouse.com. And if you use the promo code YOGA, you'll save twenty percent off a single float. So if you haven't tried floating? Come check it out. It's honestly, it'll it'll change your life. And we'll probably get into floating a little bit today as well. It's a gateway. It's a gateway. Floating is totally. a gateway into. A different world, essentially. Totally. It's yep. a gateway. Absolutely. Yeah. So come and experience it and, um, you know, decide for yourself. Come open and just, yeah, be open-minded with it. And then lastly, we'll give a shout-out to our friend Omid Pakbin at Omega Point YouTube channel. He helps us behind the scenes here, and he has a really cool um, YouTube channel that we love to promote here because it's uh, very synergistic with what we do. So go check out Omega Point on YouTube, and he's got amazing videos from uh, some of our past guests like Dr. Gabor Mate, as well as Graham Hancock, who's not a past guest but a future guest, um, Joe be, Rogan, be, Alan oh. Watts, all these guys. are Alan on Watts, his, let's get him. Oh, that would be... Is that possible? You could channel him somehow. Yeah. You need a channeler to do that. But And um, speaking of channeling and you know, some uh, the more, I don't know, mystical expressions that exist in, in our world, today we have a really special guest and very excited to have with us uh, this gentleman. Matthew Cosell is with us today. Um, Matthew is a professional sound healer and throat singer. Um, you do performances all over the world. And uh, you are based here out of Vancouver, and uh, you actually are a float ambassador as well. Um, and we'll get more into everything you do, but first, formally, welcome to Vancouver Real, Matthew. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, you guys. Awesome. It's an honor to be here. Thank you. Yeah, I know you've been kind of seeing the construction of the podcasting studio, and you know, now you're sitting in the hot seat. So, yeah. <laughs> okay, ready? Let's hammer them. Hammer him. Yeah. No, oh, yeah. I'm just kidding. Question number one. <laughs> yeah. No, no, we're not like that. Um, no, we keep it loose and yeah. organic Friendly. and flowing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But actually, um, so with, actually, we're going to jump into our, today's contest right now, real quick, because it is actually two tickets to one of your events. Um, one of your events being uh, a, a sound journey. Mm. Uh, actually, why don't you tell people a little bit about what they can expect if they win this prize? Okay. If you come to my sound journey, uh, you'll come into uh, Open Door Yoga on Commercial Drive here in Vancouver. And uh, there's mats available and bolsters. So you can just come and lie down, relax. You know, it's really simple. Just lie down and relax and listen to the music. I, uh, I, I can handle that. 
You can handle that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So there's no secret meditation technique I have to impart. There's no work involved. And uh, you don't even have to hold lotus position to meditate because will just the music will take you there. Mm. Ah, yeah. cool. Yeah. That's great for me because my hip flexibility is just terrible. So <laughs> It's all about getting really comfortable, actually. Yeah. 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 The more comfortable you are, the, the better. So, exactly. so that's, uh, when is that one? That's uh, January 30th. January Saturday 30th. evening. Uh, cool. I'm going. to 9.30. Cool. Yeah. 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 I will be there. Two right. tickets. Um, well, yeah. And, and uh, we have a we, winner. We do have a winner. And what we're doing now on Vancouver Real is we are doing a weekly contests. We missed last week simply because of busyness. <laughs> our, 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 our goal is to do a weekly contest to give away a prize, preferably from the guests that we're going to have on. If not, it'll be someone in the community, maybe a cold press juice company, maybe a yoga studio, who knows, whatever we can scrounge up. But anyways, so this is for two tickets to Matthew's event on January 30th, which I will be at. And randomly selected, it was random, the winner is another float ambassador, Casey Joe. Casey, Casey Joe. Joe. So we will be contacting you. Well, I'll be contacting you through Facebook because I do that all the time anyways. So congratulations. And uh, you're going to be going with a friend to Matthew Cosell's Sound Healing Work Journey. Journey. We discussed that already. It's a journey, not no a workshop. Work. There's, There's no, no work. <laughs> it's journeying. So Absolutely. congratulations, and we'll be contacting you soon. Yeah, cool. Awesome. And uh, But, yeah, let's get into it a little bit. Like, you know, the work that you do, I'm, I'm very, yeah, I, I know it's something that I've always been interested in. Um, a good friend of ours, actually, uh, Mike Nichols, he's a yoga teacher in, in, in the city. He, um, has, he does some sound work with the bulls and the didgeridoo, and I always enjoyed going to his um, his sound experiences that he would have at yoga studios. But then I went and tried yours, and you use one. You use more than just a couple instruments. you got quite the plethora of things that you kind of work with, including your own voice, which is the throat singing. So why don't you kind of just take us through initially, I mean, there's so many things I want to cover, but initially, what are some of the different things you use and how you use them and kind of what they're used for? And, and that's a huge question. So let's, it'll just kind of flow out of that. But what are some of the things that you use in your sound journeys? Well, you know, I think the most uh, primary instrument is my heart. Ooh. Yeah, because that really, the that's what entrains the frequencies from all the instruments, from my voice, you know, that all the instruments and the voice even are, are secondary to the state of being, which I am just attempting to to transmit and to radiate. Mm. Uh, so, but getting to the physical instruments, uh, there's the harmonium, which is a hand-pumped uh, keyboard from India, uh, and it's based on the... the the Western keyboard, the keyboard looks like a piano okay. and there's a little bellows and you pump air through reeds, which are triggered by the keys, much like a accordion works. Um, then there's its cousin, the Shruti box. It's a little box. It's just a squeeze box. It has these levers on it. And when you move the levers that, uh, lets the air flow through specific reeds. So it's a, you get a steady drone sound with the Shruti box. Mm. Um, the, Tibetan-style singing bowls are made of seven metals, and we're not really sure how old this technology is. It's uh, been used by the Tibetan Buddhists for, you know, 
thousands of years. However, uh, I believe the technology predates when Buddhism came to Tibet. Really? So yeah. they kind of been, might have been using as maybe some of the like, Tibetan shamanism times, yeah. potentially? Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Tibet had a, a very strong shamanistic uh, uh, lineage before Buddhism came there. Um, there's the Tingshas. Tingshas look like little symbols, and they're connected to each other. They come in a pair, right. and they're connected by a leather string. Uh, they're each... Each one is deliberately tuned just slightly different from its partner. So it creates a little wave pattern when you clang them together. Uh, so this is, in effect, a, a brainwave entrainment device. You hear the sound and the wave pattern that the tingshas create, and the brain wants to slow down to match that. It slows down the brainwave state. So brilliant technology and i love it because they're, they're shaped like flying saucers yeah i know exactly what you're talking about too and they sound really cool whenever you kind of uh wobble them mm-hmm. in that they make this really interesting uh resonance yeah. now the thing i can compare this to right off the bat would be um binaural beats you know how binaural beats are supposed to bring down your your brainwave state down to a theta brainwave state level yeah is that what's going on here uh with the tingshas yeah i think it's very comparable Mm-hmm. Um, so now I also used uh, crystal singing bowls. Mm-hmm. These are made out of yeah. crushed quartz crystal. So cool. And uh, uh, crushed uh, quartz crystal is very similar in its molecular structure to silica, right. which is a prime component of our bones. So there's a natural resonance within the human body uh, okay. to this sound. Now, what other the other point that I find extremely fascinating about the crystal singing bowls is they're originally designed to grow silicon crystals for use in microprocessors. Wow. Yeah. I heard that. So the actual those bowls were originally developed just for growing silicon microchips and like the, the things they use for that. Yeah, the crystal that they slice up to put on the microchips. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. And so I finally I met a gentleman who worked for one of these companies that did the manufacturing. He said they put liquid silicon in the center of this crystal bowl, heat it up, and then spin it. And the crystal, the silicon crystal grows out of the center. And wow. they just take it out and they slice it micro thin and code the information. So anyway, I like to think of these crystal singing bowls as wombs of artificial intelligence, which we are using to uh, expand our own consciousness. Wow. You, you just blew my mind. Uh, blows my <laughs> you mind. Can grow say crystals. That. What? Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what they do. They do grow, man. That's why I'm. I mean, I'll be very candid right now. Over the last, I'd say six to eight months, I have just been really fascinated by crystals and rocks and like you know salt rocks and you know that i have this attraction for them i can't deny it i'm not gonna lie and um you know there's a lot of people that think that's just pretty pretty flaky but then there's a lot of people that actually know there's a lot of stuff going on in there and just the fact that they can grow is an interesting concept and they grow in these very uniform patterns or sometimes non-uniform and they have different properties and different elements and different I don't know. I don't know what's going on with them, but I like them. Are you into crystals? I am. Yeah, oh, yeah. All right, brother. <laughs> I'm a crystal clutching I'm, tree. I'm, I'm getting oh, there. I'm, I'm, I'm getting into the crystals. I'm telling um, you, just do a yeah, do a sound have, journey and then just hold a rock for ten minutes, and then you'll start seeing. It. What do you got there? What is that one? Uh, this is a crystal I found on a mountaintop in Colorado in 1994. Maybe we can get to that story a little later. Oh, please, yeah, absolutely, yeah. cool, mm-hmm. very cool. It goes with me on all my journeys. Yeah. Uh-huh. No, I I have a few that I 
keep in my chest pocket of my coat for sure. Uh-huh. Um, so let's, okay, so we have all these instruments, people relax, they lie down. Kind of tell us, you know, what is the sound doing from your point of view, from your paradigm of what you're working with? Like, you know, we can say like, yeah, you're getting binaural beats and trainment happening, but what do you work? Because I really liked how you said my first instrument is my heart. Yeah. And it sounds like you kind of bring yourself into your heart center before you start playing. And obviously you do lots of, I know you do lots of warming up before you play too, mm-hmm. just vocally and stuff. But it sounds like you bring yourself into your heart space and that's what, where you work out of while you're playing these instruments or singing. So what are you, what's happening? Well, sound can cut through everything, through all form, through all belief systems. It's beyond language. So it gets to the very primordial essence of our being. And when you think about it, everything physically and scientifically, everything truly is vibration. And it's no uh, coincidence that the uh, creation myths from most of the great spiritual traditions have some reference to the god or goddess speaking, chanting, or singing the universe into existence. Um, and so we used sound as even as ancient and primitive people, we were sitting around the fire playing songs, singing, chanting, playing drums, flutes, and going into altered states of consciousness. Hey, but, I got to say, when we, uh, we did a little journey at Float House, uh, over New Year's and, uh, we were utilizing singing bowls, uh, crystal singing bowls, as well as didgeridoos and Wow. The vibrations and the synergistic effect of all those, yeah, it changed the atmosphere or it changed the environment in some way. It made it different. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. So I think that these instruments help uh, create a harmonious field of energy, of vibration. And again, since everything is vibration, we are affected by these vibrations that we surround ourselves with. And here in our modern world, we're being bombarded with all kinds of vibration, which is maybe not so healthy, not so harmonious. And, and it goes beyond what we can hear. We have the microwaves and, and the, all the wireless technology, which is uh, filling the air around us. Speaking of vibrations, you just gave us an awesome little demonstration on our Periscope I'm wondering if you could uh, do a, a recorded version of what we can hear a little bit on, sure. on Saturday. Sure. Yeah? Yeah. Well, why don't you tell us what are you going to do? And, <laughs> or do you want to tell us afterwards? Uh, I'll, talk about, I'll yeah. talk about it afterwards. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's time to experience this. Gotcha. Yeah.
Okay, on my headphones, that sounded amazing. <laughs> In real life, that sounded amazing. Not only did it sound amazing, it felt amazing. It was I, good to me, too. I feel it. I feel it in the room. I feel it in my body, period. You know, that's it's incredible, man. It's so cool. How long have you been throw singing for? Uh, since about 1998 or 99. I was first introduced to the concept of vocal toning and vocal harmonics around 97, and I was experimenting with it. But it was in 99 that I was actually able to get the Tibetan-style throat singing sound and really started to run with it. It sounds a little like a didge, a little like a didgeridoo in the way you kind of manipulate the sounds in your throat. Mm -hmm. It sounds similar to how you would do it on a didge. Mm -hmm. If you think of it, you know, the throat is a tube, an esophagus is a tube, and then there's the vocal cords moving there. And now the equivalent down on the didge would be the lips and my tongue and the whole thing mm-hmm. I make with the mouth on the mouthpiece. And, you know, because you start to just change the airflow and that mm-hmm. pathway and, and the vibration too is there. Mm-hmm. So it kind of is, but but it's different as well. Yeah. With that style, that particular voice that I uh, just demonstrated, and I, I do other uh, vocal harmonic sounds, there's uh, also the ventricular folds begin to vibrate. And the ventricular folds, there's two on either side of the vocal cords. It's interesting. The vocal cords are vertical, mm-hmm. and it's a muscle that slaps together. And you can hear it. On, I can even demonstrate. You can hear the individual slaps of the vocal cords when you... Those are individual tapping of the vocal cords. Okay, mm. so when we speak and sing, those are all sped up. It sounds like a t- continuous tone. Now, the vocal cords that, I, like I said, there are vertical. The uh, ventricular folds are horizontal, so they're at right angles to each other. So they're creating, you know, sound waves at right angles to each other. Hmm. Now, people who are into sacred geometry and UFOs and things like that are going to run with it. I'll let uh, you, <laughs> your imagination. Hey, but there you go. Uh, go let it go. Just yeah. Let it fly. Let it fly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I, and that's. I mean, yeah. The whole sacred geometry thing is something I'm. I'm looking into now. Before I always thought it was just. Oh, that's this festival hippie stuff. What is that stuff? But there's actually. I mean, there's a lot of stuff there. I'm like, whoa. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, everyone's curious. Go go YouTube spirit science. They'll break it down for you uh, real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it's it's a crazy channel actually, <laughs> but um, yeah. That, so, and so I'm creating harmonics, or and again, harmonics are present in everyone's voice. Harmonics are all around us. Harmonics are also known as overtones, so the the terms are interchangeable. Now, Pythagoras, we don't have his writing, but it's said that he said if you could understand the vibration of a single string, you would know the mysteries of the universe. Hmm. Now, when you pluck a single string, let's say on a harp or a guitar, you first hear the note that that uh, string is tuned to. But the wave pattern doubles in frequency and then doubles again and doubles again and again and again into infinity. 
Right. So those doublings of the frequency are the new notes. Those are the overtones or the harmonics. Now, a throat singer or overtone singer is manipulating the sound within their body and of the sound of their voice within their body to amplify those overtones or harmonics to make them more audible to the voice or to the human ear. That's really cool. And actually, I just saw a video and I've seen it before, but there's one that's online where the guy will drop his cell phone into the guitar, and so it's filming out. And then they, when he plucks the string, actually, I think he's playing a Metallica song, and you can see the string. So when he plays that string based off where his fingers are on the frets, it'll, you can see the actual wave. So he'll pluck that string, which is a straight line when you see it still, but then when it's moving fast, the way they capture, the camera captures it, as it goes, you can literally see the mathematical wave. And, and I, so I'm assuming that wave that you're talking about, as the, fa- as the sound starts to fade out, that's actually increasing by two with every probably de- decrease of the sound volume maybe? Is that what's happening? Not, no, I think it to happens uh, in, uh, at the moment of attack. Oh, yeah, that okay. The, uh, the, the, the harmonics are there. Okay, so the yeah. overtone. Okay, yeah, yeah. Like they're, they're present. As that's soon whole, as the sound there's like, is there. there's like a whole science of sound. There really exactly. is, right? Yeah. Like yeah. the whole nature of it. So, yeah. There's Interesting. A, there's a field of study called cymatics. Okay. C y m a t i c s. Yeah. And that's a study of how sound affects matter. And uh, this is originally started, I think, in the 1800s. And they would take metal plates and put white sand on them, or another. A visible powder on a on a black metal plate, then run sound through it and see what patterns are created by the by the sound. Hmm. And then, uh, if you look on YouTube, just look up cymatics on YouTube. You'll find all kinds of experiments. You can see that as they change the frequency of the sound, the pattern that is created, the original pattern, will eventually dissolve, turn into chaos, and then it'll create a new pattern. It's almost like mandalas are being created again and again by the changing frequency. It's also interesting to note <clears throat> that um, as the uh, you find a pattern from the sound in the cymatic experiment, and then as they raise the pitch, as that dissolves, then at a certain point it creates a new pattern. Mm-hmm. So we have um, discovered that the Earth has a certain vibrational frequency. They call it the Schumann resonance frequency. And it's been documented that it is slowly rising right now. Mm-hmm. So if we have this pattern of life on Earth or society, and that is that mandala, that pattern, that vibrational pattern, perhaps we're in a, a point where it is dissolving and getting ready to create the new configuration on planet Earth. Interesting. Hmm. Perhaps. I, mean, I wonder, do they have, uh, they must be able to calculate then because this is all mathematical if, if that's, you know, so because it sounds like at one level of frequency is creating a pattern as that frequency increases till the next, and then it goes into chaos and then the next pattern emerges yeah. at that next, whatever level that is, they can probably measure the rate of that change and almost even predict when that next pattern will emerge. Uh-huh. And now I wonder too, if they can go backwards and see with the historical records of, you know, life and humanity and nature and all everything on earth, okay, when was the last round of chaos and the last round of pattern and what was happening in the world at that time? And I wonder if there's any patterns lining up with these patterns that are being produced by the Earth's frequency. 
if it's unless it's, maybe the Earth's frequency is going up and down. Maybe mm-hmm. it goes up, then it goes down. I mean, do they have any understanding as to why the frequency changes uh, of the Earth? Yeah. Hmm. I'm not aware of the answer to that. So, right. uh, yeah, I'll, I'll bet it's out there, though. But, yeah. yeah. But, yeah. but even stuff, too, like, you know, just this, the, um, you know, the, there's practices of, like, grounding. Right. You know, the practice of grounding is, like, you know, when you take off your shoes and you get your feet on the earth um, and, and like, connecting with the earth. And then there's things like grounding mats that go and match that that same. What's it called? The earth? Uh, earthing. No, the, the earth frequency, though, the, sh- oh, the Schumann resonance Schumann frequency. resonance frequency. So yeah. they match that frequency and stuff. So that yeah. helps you get grounded. And then, you know, there's all this health benefits to grounding yourself, basically. Absolutely. You and know. speaking of those benefits, could you kind of go into uh, what some of the potential is for, for working with these sounds? Well, I find that, uh, you know, just based on the feedback from people that I have worked with and that have been present when I'm doing my thing, that it affects everyone on a different level. And I've had people come and tell me that they had a physical healing. Uh, they Maybe they had an injury or uh, just a part of their body that was painful from an old injury, and that clears. Often with those cases, uh, it's uncomfortable during the sound journey. The the chi builds up there and it gets really intense and then it, they all described that it passes through them at some point. Hmm. Um, Just curious on that note, do people set intentions when they go into your journeys? Do they set an intention of, I'd like to heal this part of my body? And if that's the case, is that when they'll notice uh, that pain and potentially the, the relief of that pain? I usually leave it open for people to create their own intention, and uh, I'm, but I'm very mindful. And, and what I share is that this uh, gathering, the, the sound journey, is for our healing and for our collective healing as human beings and for the healing of the earth. So that's the intention that I'm holding when I'm doing the chanting and, and singing and throughout the sound journey. Mm. So I think um, that that helps to create the container in which everyone can have a healing that is right for them in that moment. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's what I pray for. Cool. So, yeah. Wow. Take us like, you know, into uh, your background a little bit. Like, have you always been, you know, for lack of a better word, a spiritual person or, or how did you kind of come into this whole work that you're doing? It's a crazy story. You ready? It always is. Sure. <laughs> it, yep. It's crazy. Buckle up. <laughs> okay. So, uh, my father was a U.S. Air Force officer, and we moved around quite a bit. Uh, I went to church uh, every Sunday with my family, and so I always believed in a, a, a godhead or you know a deity. And um, when I was about twelve years old, I had an experience through that lineage uh, when the, my church youth group went to see a movie uh, produced by Billy Graham, you know pitching Christianity to youth. And after at the end of the movie, they turned on the lights and invited everyone to come down. And, you know, if anyone wants to give your life to God, you know, through Jesus Christ, come and we'll pray with you. I didn't plan on doing anything. However, this energy shot into the top of my head and zapped me. I felt like I was struck by a lightning bolt. And I zombie walked down the aisle and I did their prayer and ritual and went home with a new copy of the New Testament, which I already had at home. But, uh, you know, and uh, that was very interesting. I had no frame of reference. I didn't know what a chakra was. It'd be another 20 years probably before I discovered what a chakra was. Uh, 
And I was not able to maintain that vibration or that frequency. There was a lot of conflict in my family of origin, and I was quite unhappy and quite angry, actually, um, at the world and at my family. So I, that coupled with the fact that I was questioning a lot of what was being presented through my church as far as, you know, the accuracy of the scriptures and their interpretations of it and, you know, all this cut and dry and, and this fear of punishment for mm. eternity. And, you know, a lot of things just didn't add up to me. And so I threw it all away mm. and basically self-medicated through my teen years and, and uh, early adult life. Um, you know, I discovered cannabis and uh, just numbed myself emotionally for a long time with that. Um, and I was very disconnected from all of my authority figures in my world and uh, starting with my father and my teachers and, you know, on up, I was, you know, again, just disenfranchised. So music was kind of what saved my life because mm-hmm. there was a few, a few bands that, uh, really gave me an experience, uh, a, a glimpse of something greater, you know, a greater reality. And, uh, you know, as I, was almost ready to graduate high school. Everyone's asking you, what are you going to do with your life? And all I could think of was, well, I want to play music. So I studied music for two years in university. And, uh, during that time, my father was actually, uh, dying from cancer. And so that kept the awareness of spirit. And it was right in my face. You know, my father is dying and I'm thinking about life after life and what comes next and what's it all mean. Um, I was also at that time reading the biography of Jimi Hendrix. It's a book called Voodoo Child, the Aquarian Age. One day I was uh, commuting to school with my friend. He was driving and I'm reading from the book and they had lyrics to one of his songs. And unbeknownst to me, my friend had put a tape in the, in the deck. And the moment my eyes fell on those lyrics, Jimmy was singing the, through the words tape. that I was reading. Yeah, through the tape. Whoa. Yeah, I mean, it was right on cue. So I thought, you know, this is a sign from Jimmy or God or <laughs> someone that I'm supposed to do this. Right. And so, yeah, I quit school after two years and moved to the big city. I was living in Colorado and I moved to Denver from Colorado Springs. Okay. And uh, joined a rock band. And <laughs> and uh, it was fun. You know, it was a cover band. We played in bars and, you know, cheesy venues around the area and uh, i realized that that wasn't going to get me where i wanted to go so i quit that and started playing original music okay that's great well playing original music in the denver bar scene in the early 80s was not uh financially anything lucrative (laughs) lucrative yeah um so uh here's this clueless young person uh wanting to know well how do i do this. And, uh, so I just started working in temp agencies and, uh, just whatever crap jobs I could find. Um, through that, I was given a job in a collection department. And so I was a bill collector for a few years. That sounds pleasant. It was so (laughs) disgusting. I'll tell you, dark time, dark time, you know, and really socially isolating. Yeah. You know, I would dread meeting new people oh sure going out in the social situation because even inevitably they would ask me so what do you do you know yeah. oh god you know yeah. and um i'm the repo man yeah. <laughs> it yeah. was horrible you know um, yeah. so my self-esteem 
I was suffering greatly. And I, I slowly went into deep depression. And uh, that depression got so strong that I felt it, you know, by the time I was in my later 20s, uh, I don't know how I can stay here. You know, I, I, what's my purpose? What's this all about? What did I create for myself? Um, so that pain is what drove me to go seek something, find a path. I wasn't going to go back to my church. So I went to a bookstore and looked in the Eastern philosophy sections. And I found a book called Inner Power Secrets from Tibet and the Orient. Hmm. In that book, I discovered what a chakra is and what chi is and kundalini and prana and what breath work can do and, and these various exercises. It was an awesome little book. Uh, meanwhile, I'm in a pretty good band at that point. We took about a year to write our music and rehearse it before we even performed. And I'm suffering through these hideous jobs that I was working at. Uh, me and our, one of our singer songwriter guitarists was a female. She got a job at a local strip club as a bartender. And she said, hey, we're making really good money here. Come on down. We'll get you a job. I'm like, no. What am I going to tell my mom about that? <laughs> yeah. And I don't want to do that. And then her boyfriend got a job there. He was the other guitarist as a valet and barback. And he was making good money. Then the drummer's wife got a job there as a DJ. So I had all these friends working at this place making a lot of money, you know, comparatively. And finally they coaxed me to come into the club and I started – dating a girl I met who was working at the door there. I moved in with her and she convinced me to come down there and get a job as a barback. Barback slings the ice and yeah. stocks the liquor. It sounds like the cult of the strip club. It's just like, come join us, make good money at the strip <laughs> yeah. club. Join us. Yeah, it was <laughs> crazy, but I did it. And six months later, uh, my boss made me a manager. Ah. So all of a sudden, I'm a manager of this high-dollar, big, flashy strip club in Denver, Colorado. And uh, so that motivated me to get really into my martial arts training. Mm -hmm. <laughs> totally. Out of necessity. Out of necessity and yeah, I can fear. Yeah. Of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I, I trained really hard. And meanwhile, <laughs> you know, I've had like this spiritual awakening. What did you, what did you train in? Um, Kempo, Silat. Kuntao, uh, a little bit of jujitsu and, uh, and kickboxing. Okay. It's pretty eclectic, pretty mm -hmm. hardcore. We trained hard, not smart. Uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> I was in a lot of pain. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I'm very grateful for what I learned and uh, it kept me out of trouble. And sure. uh, having that little bit of confidence, I think, kept me from, you know, maybe getting hurt. <laughs> sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I've heard some stories. I had a friend who uh, <clears throat> bounced at a strip club for a long time in Hamilton, Ontario. And some of the stories he would tell about what he had to deal with, uh, not necessarily with the patrons as much as like the actual strippers that worked there. Um, there, you know, the drama. Yeah, and a lot of stuff. And their boyfriends. And their boyfriends. Mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Now, just before I had gotten the job there, I, my girlfriend pulled me into a metaphysical store, and that's where I heard a recording of the Tibetan monks, the Gyoto monks from Tibet, mm. doing this dope, deep. It is dope. It's <laughs> <laughs> a deep, dope, deep sound. Dope sound. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and, slip. Yeah, and they had it cranked up on the stereo really loud, Ooh. and so I bought a tape and was listening to that and meditating to it. And so, like, I had this kind of reawakening of my spiritual self, and then I'll, now I find myself working in a strip club, and I'm trying mm -hmm. to make some sense of all this. 
But looking back, I know now that I was actually training and holding space because it turns uh. out there was a lot less violent outbreaks in the club when I was on duty than when other guys were managing and when there were bouncers on staff. And we had uh, some bouncers working for us, like two brothers that were big bruisers and amazing fighters. And uh, But there was more trouble when they were on, on, on duty than when I was there by myself, just kind of keeping the calm and, right. and holding the peace. So now which would be look, a challenge. That's that is a tough training ground for for uh, holding space. I'd imagine exactly. So yeah, walking through the dark side like that uh, and facing my own shadow because there's a lot of temptation in that environment and every possible vice I think is is present there. Um, yeah, it was perfect training to be a sound healer. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Well, there you that? go, folks. If you want some, uh, <laughs> spiritual training, you know, <laughs> I'm sure the Nas five orange, whatever they call it down in gas. Oh, orange be, number five, orange number five. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure you have to go there. Yeah. Get spiritual. There yeah. you go. <laughs> yeah. There you go. You're going to get all these now, these yogis and. Yeah. Hey, man. Hippie can I guys. Get a job? I'm trying to hold space. They're like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> We've Matthew Cosell told me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Wow. That's, man, that is quite the journey. Yeah. So I've, okay. Uh, well, it's not over. Yeah, it's not over. Okay. Keep it going. <laughs> so, my last year there, I'm realizing, okay, whatever karmic test I've been put here for, I've mm. passed. I'm ready to move on. Um, I, I took some classes in healing arts. I was really interested in the healing arts because I've been reading about Reiki. Mm. And uh, I found out that I was really good with my hands and, and giving massage. So I took an intro to massage course. I took an intro to um, shiatsu. And, and, you know, I was like, mm, this is something I could do. But I didn't want to leave my paycheck yet, you know. I didn't quite know how to make the leap. So let me guess. You practice on strippers. Uh, some. Yeah. <laughs> and my friends. And my brothers. You know, yeah. whoever. You know, yeah. my family. You know, they yeah. And so, <laughs> Sounds great. Huh? Yeah, yeah. And I was, you know, like, well, I can really actually help people by touch. And um, so my final summer working in the club, I took my girlfriend camping, uh, which I always did. I escaped to the mountains. She wanted to, we're in South Park, which is in Colorado, the real South Park. Cool. Ah. And uh, she says, I want to climb up there and climb on those boulders. I'm like, what? All right. So I followed her up this mountain. We got to the top. I look around and I said out loud, I wonder if there's any crystals here. I've never found a crystal on a mountaintop. I've never expected to find a crystal on a mountaintop. But then I looked, boom, and there it was, shining in the sunlight. Weird. Wow. Do you think it was left there? Was it somebody's crystal? Maybe they dropped it? Well, there's no trails around. It was just there. It was just there. Was and it embedded in the ground? Did you have to like pull it out or anything? I like didn't. That? It was just sitting in the dirt. What? And there were no other crystals around. And I picked it up and I felt like I was being watched. Hmm. And, you know, I think a doorway opened that day. When I was driving us back home, back to Denver, I was getting really depressed thinking about going back into that club. And I was saying, uh, holding on to this crystal as I drove, getting depressed, going, I got to get out of there. You know, I can't do it anymore. I'm done. Have to leave. Have to leave the club. Showed up for work the next day, and my boss was waiting for me outside the door with my final check in his hand, tears huh. in his eyes. Says, "I'm really sorry. I got to let you go. I can't afford to pay your salary anymore. Here's your final check. You know, you're like a son to me. Really, you didn't do yeah. anything wrong. Got to let you go." 
he ended up losing the club a couple of years later. And, and uh, so I was set free. No kidding. <laughs> wow. And about a year later, I started massage school. I started my massage practice while in massage school. I was getting heavy into meditation and chanting and discovered vocal toning, started holding a meditation circle in my home through that. You know, I just wanted to hold space for people to connect to the earth, connect to the source and have that group energy to help enter that space and send our prayers for healing out into the world. Through that, I started to tone during the guided meditations that I was leading. People responded to the voice way stronger than I expected. So I tried a little bit more and a little bit more. I went to a weekend workshop with Jonathan Goldman in, in Boulder, Colorado. He's kind of well-known in the sound healing circles. He didn't teach the Tibetan technique, but he demonstrated it over once over that weekend. And he said something. He said, some people get this after being around others who do it. And in that moment, I knew, that's me. Thank you. And the next day, I popped that Tibetan deep overtone throat singing voice. Wow. Got it. And I like left it on Jonathan's voicemail, big, long Tibetan gnomes. <laughs> Thank you, Jonathan. It worked. <laughs> awesome. That's cool. That's uh, super cool. Yeah. I started collecting instruments from there and it has just grown. It's from just that, grown and evolved. And, yeah. yeah. And now you're just now, I mean, kind of like what's, what's your, um, you know, your life like with this now? Like how often do you find yourself performing and all that kind of stuff? Like, you know, is this, are you able to support yourself full time doing this now? And, yeah, yeah, it's a miracle. My life is a miracle, and uh, I usually play about two or three times a week locally, um, and it varies. And you know, honestly, I haven't gotten rich yet <laughs> doing this. Um, but uh, so you think it's not all about money? Exactly. Crazy, <laughs> weird. <laughs> I know I'm a radical. Yeah. <laughs> What are you doing, son? <laughs> and I, yet, and yet, I am rich. You know, mm-hmm. like I can. It doesn't matter what my day's been like. When I sit on that cushion yeah. and begin to hold that space, everything is good. And it's a miracle too. Uh, as a musician, you know, I used to play in CD bars, and you know, you're competing with alcohol and and whatever drugs people are doing, and smoke and noise and fights and whatever. And now people come and lie down and journey on every single nuance and of my voice and the music. And I am so blessed and so grateful to be able to It's so much about the sound. It's so much about the sound. Like when you're there, like there's nothing else. You know, you're just there with the sound and with what you feel. And, uh, you know, and and it's neat because like some people, I think, uh, you know, we live, all humans, we're just a giant spectrum and we're all kind of unique in our own ways in terms of our biochemistry and our makeup and our belief systems and our life experiences. And, uh, you know, and you go and lie down and you just feel or see or hear what comes out of it, you know, that whole experience that you produce. It's so incredible. Like if you haven't, I'm just saying this just genuinely, like if you haven't had the opportunity to go through a formal like sound journey, no matter where you are, whether you're in here in Vancouver or elsewhere around the world, like try to track it down and do it, you know, and in person live is, is always better than an audio recording. Like the audio is good, but when you're there live and you feel, you can feel the sound going through your body in a different way, you know? Well, I'm really excited to try mine on, on the 30th, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm yeah. really, really stoked for that. Awesome. How often do you host these things? 
Uh, you know, usually every week. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do it as much as possible, actually. Yeah. So. Actually, you have some upcoming events. Yeah. I saw you have a workshop, you actual workshop you're doing where you're actually going to do some teaching. Yeah. That was really cool. I didn't yeah. know you did that. Yeah. So we don't have to talk about that. Sure. Um, but um, when is that? And what other dates do you have coming up that aren't sold out already? Because I know okay. you got some sold out dates. Yeah. Um, so we have uh, January 30th, which is Saturday night at Open Door Yoga. Cool. Commercial Drive here in Vancouver. Um, January 31st, I'll be at Believe Yoga Studio in Pitt Meadows, also in, here in BC. Cool. Um, on the 26th of February, I'll be at Salt Wonder Himalayan Salt Cave. Is that uh, the North Shore? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So okay. cool. Oh, yeah. wow. So at, at the Himalayan Salt Cave, you're breathing microscopic particles of salt just by being in the room. And it cleanses the body. It kills virus and fungus and bacteria. And is really high in negative ions. And I feel like it's energetically cleansing. It's just incredible space there. And it's an intimate space. It uh, fits only 20 people. Is it in somebody's home? Nope. No, no, no. It's like an actual. Oh wow! Yeah, it's cool. He has yeah. like the salt. There rooms. was um, when I was in Santa Barbara, California. Uh, there was a, a big one. It was a business. It was mm-hmm. it, Santa Barbara is really, really well off. I'm not sure if you've ever been there, but um, they had like four different rooms within their mm-hmm. business, and like the whole. You walk in, you walk downstairs, and there's a whole main room, and it's all salt. Mm-hmm. And then they have like four separate rooms with salt floors, salt walls, salt everything. That's what this guy. It was got. so cool, and they, I don't they know. would do different things like yoga classes and that kind of stuff. Yeah, cool. Yeah, it was it was, it was big though. It was yeah. cool. Did you yeah. able to hang out there and feel it? Because then you have like congestion stuff. Sometimes. We didn't have time. Oh, we no. were only there for like two days. Yeah. Mm. Now you yeah. should definitely check out the North Van one. It's yeah. it's really cool. Mm. And then doing it with uh, the sound journey as well. Is, oh man, mm. I've done it there twice. Because right, you get the lie on. He's like very, very coarsely granulated salt on the ground too. And like you're just inches from it. You just, you know, you're breathing in it. When I go in there and just start inhaling you know, like I'm like I'm starving child or something because I'm just like oh, it's so good. You know, mm. it's delicious. Yeah. But, awesome. Mm. Yeah. And so, what else we got then? Okay. Yeah. Um, on February nineteenth, I got a little ahead of myself. I'm at uh, Riverwise Yoga in uh, South Surrey. On mm. that for that event, and another one on uh, the twenty first at uh, Ma Yoga in North, North, North Shore. Shore. That's yeah, uh, yeah about yeah. a kilometer away from where I live. So oh, cool. Yeah, I'm doing a breath work combined with the sound journey. So the, the breath work is called the breath empowerment. I, I learned it through my Qigong training with the Supreme Science Qigong. Hmm. And so I guide everyone through this. It's about a half hour breathing practice, extremely powerful. It, that cleanses the body as well. And then go right into the sound journey. Um, and then on March 6th, uh, here in Vancouver, I'm teaching the throat singing class. Cool. So I give all the techniques uh, that I use to create harmonics with my voice and do a direct transmission of the Tibetan sound into each person's throat chakra. That's awesome. Daniel Shaw. Daniel Shaw. Yeah, I'm calling Adam, him right now. Yeah, there you go. Oh, he's a student of mine. He's, uh, he's already uh, done it. Awesome. No wonder he's so good. Yeah. Oh, I saw his game just take a quantum leap. We go in the back here of Float House and they have these very echoey hallways. And so we'll play the digits sometime. But, and then when Daniel's around, he'll play his, he'll just start throw singing. And it's, 
He's awesome. he's fantastic. Yeah, That's he's great. getting really good at it. So cool. now I know a secret. Uh, <laughs> interesting. You're the Yoda. Yeah. You're the, Yoda. <laughs> the local Yoda. The local exactly. Yoda. Um, and you have albums out too, right? So yes. how many albums do you have? I see the one on your website here. The first one is that called The Vision, and actually we retail it here at Float House as well. Do you have other ones as well? That's the only one that's out currently. Cool. I've got uh, two more in the works. Nice. Yeah, Very I'm cool. actually going to begin uh, re restart recording uh, okay. on monday so, nice yeah oh, very yeah, cool yeah you do that all locally then yes very cool yeah. wicked um now let's yeah because you kind of talked about this and we've we've kind of come through it a little bit but like in terms of i mean the energy that you know let's talk let's get into the you know we can go down the rabbit hole a little bit and and you know get get into conversations about the stuff that's not necessarily fully scientifically proven or whatever but is kind of experientially noted and anecdotally stated and stuff like that. Like I know that uh, since I've been floating more and since I started floating, doing yoga, breath work, meditation, taking entheogens, I've become more aware and more in tune and more sensitive of what I would call my energetic body, something that I didn't even know really existed. I didn't know what it was. And now I have this like greater understanding of what it is and actually can feel it a little bit more. And that's where I think a lot of this kind of work seems to be working from, you know. Um, and I know that you float before you perform sometimes too. Um, can you just, I don't know, kind of what do you think the sound and floating and all this stuff like and how and tying it all into like energy work what is that i don't really know where i'm going with this but like what is what are your views and thoughts on that kind of stuff i'm just curious from your perspective yeah i think this from is the work that you do yeah i think this is something that we all need whether it's you know not just from me but mm-hmm. from other practitioners and and f- whatever methods we can find um to find that entry point into a deeper understanding of our being and knowing right. you know it's, it starts you know you open up a door when you realize that i'm not just this body and i i extend beyond the skin right um you know, floating for me, I feel like it's recalibrating my nervous system and recalibrating my brain and my emotional body even. And I just floated before we sat down here at the table and I had to go outside to repark my car. And I didn't feel the stress I normally feel when I'm walking through the busy city streets and all the traffic and everything. Everything was beautiful. Everything, I felt my heart was open and I was just radiating love to everyone. And it's so easy to fall out of that, you know, but uh, I believe that when we access that part of ourselves, that open, loving space that's in our heart, um, we can get back to it. We can find our way back to it. No matter, you know, we're always going to be human beings. We're going to go through whatever emotional trials and and drama that uh, life on earth entails. But that stillness, that peace is, is part of our birthright and that we can always get back to it and change how we're experiencing whatever is happening around us. Yeah, it's so easy to get caught up in in life and just, you know, the constant go, 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 emails, social media, traffic, cell phones, whatever, right? So, and, and when you get into that really heady space, it can just sweep you away. Yeah. Right. And it's, you need something. And it can make you sick. <clears throat> it can make you it can sick. Make you sick. It, and it definitely increases stress levels at the very least, mm-hmm. yeah. which could easily make you sick as well. well which yeah. makes you less productive, makes yeah. you less likable, makes you more agitated. So having some sort of practice, something to kind of pull you out of that 
you know, out of your head a little bit into your body a little bit more is mm-hmm. so important, I think. Yeah. The uh, longest journey we'll ever take is that 13 inches from our head to our heart. Mm. Well and said. It's the most, yeah. And it's not my original quote. No, I've heard that before. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that as well. But it's Let me ask you this, though. Is, is, is it, you know, everyone makes that, that saying, that task, out to be so daunting, so difficult, so much hard work to go from there to there. But is it really that hard? Or can it happen, can it happen quickly for people if they uh, yeah. put the focus and attention there? It can even happen spontaneously you yeah. know, if you look in the eyes of a child, you know, or, right. or yeah. a flower, or, you know, the I beautiful made, sky. I made that same comparison uh, with myself. And... Uh, you know, I was like, well, where do I love the most unconditionally in my life? Right. And that's with my daughter always. And of course I I'll have moments when I get frustrated, but that never changes the amount of love I feel there. Right. Mm -hmm. So is that a visceral thing when you feel that? Like, do you viscerally uh, feel like when, especially when you're in that zone with her? Uh, It's, it's, yeah, it's all encompassing. You have children, right, Matthew? Um, not biologically, but I'm a grandpa. Oh yeah, awesome! <laughs> Very cool, amazing, <laughs> nice. Yeah. Anyways, I mean, yeah. I'm like, how can I transfer or or be in that state with more people, more more regularly? You know, it's like my defenses are completely down. There's no defenses when I'm yeah. with, with my daughter. It's like I don't have to worry about anything. Can I take that and apply that into my normal life? And I do believe that's possible. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, that's a work. That's a practice. That's the yeah. practice. You yeah, have to practice at it. Yeah, and you know, I started. Uh, this is a side note. I started actually at Maine. We have a guy uh, who who does work on some of our machines, and I'm doing work. I'm always working when I'm sitting there on the computer doing float house stuff usually, and he constantly comes up and always, you know, without asking if he can talk or you know, he'll just come up and start talking and telling me all these different stories. And I'm like, I'm kind of in the middle of something right now. And he has no kind of boundary of like, maybe I should, you know, say, Hey, do you have five minutes before I talk to you? He just comes in and starts talking. And automatically I feel that frustration come up. I'm like, I'm in the middle of writing this email. I'm really focused on writing this thing correctly, uh, making my point. And now you're just blabbing on about something that I don't care about at all. So I'm like, Okay, I felt that. I'm like, now how can I shift it? And even though he, somebody who initially frustrated me, still give him that compassion and love, even though he might not even be, um, I'm not saying, I'm not definitely not deserving. Um, he might not be, you know, he didn't have the respect for me and what I was doing in my space, but, and he still violated that in my mind. But could I still feel that kind of love for him? And I just sat there and just let it be. And funny enough, after a couple seconds, that frustration washed away. And I'm just like, okay, I'm just listening to his story now. Yeah. You know? And Good that's, job. And that's, yeah. that's yeah. awesome because that's like, that is holding space. Yeah. That's yeah. what you did there. That's what that is. That's all that is. And like, you know, unless that email is like, like diary emergency, I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be done and it's going to be sent. And you got work to do is for sure. You got to get this work done. But it's also like, here's a person, a human being. That wants to connect with you. Yeah, it's true. You know? It's true. At the same time, though, I, I feel like you also have to set boundaries, yep, too. Because people will just invade that You're space right. constantly. You have to know your boundaries, too. That's something Absolutely. I'm working on. It's like starting to, sorry, yeah, just. This is, you know, because you know, you know, getting the, same, the boundaries. At the same time, I'm, I, I want to do my work. And mm-hmm. in fact, I when I say work, I actually enjoy 
90% of what I do throughout my day, what, I, what most people consider work. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm actually into something and, you know, some people will take advantage of your openness. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you have to be like, no, I'm doing this right now. You can talk to me in five minutes yeah. and trying to do that as, and even when you, when you do it politely, sometimes people get yeah. uh, upset or offended by that. Right. I don't know. Do you find that? Yeah. Yeah. So we learn how to deal with that and, and, uh, you know, it's part of our um, evolution, I guess. You I know? think, yeah, and personally these, and collectively. Yeah, exactly. And these people that show up that push our buttons uh, are our mm-hmm. trainers, our senseis. And yeah. uh, I've got them in my life, too. Who doesn't? <laughs> right, exactly. Well, what do you do? How do you, how, I mean, how does anyone use that as opposed to reacting to that and be like, right. okay, well, uh, this is happening right now. And again, yeah, sometimes you're going to have to put your foot down and be like, no, sorry, I'm doing this right now. Right. And if they're offended by that, that's actually their stuff. That's so, their problem at that point. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So we take a deep breath. We recenter. <laughs> we like focus on the breath and like, yeah. okay, yep. I'm here. If you can do a nice big ohm, do the ohm. <laughs> right. Yeah. All right. Excuse me here. I just got to ohm. Excuse me. I need to excuse myself for a uh, throat singing session. Right. I, I would yeah. love. A, I would love a world where that's the norm, and the people are like, ah, he's just clearing. He's just purging. That's great. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I'm not yeah. there yet. You have like, like, like a little pocket singing bowl. You just pop out and just clear the space. Bing. <laughs> You could it's actually coming. start doing it's that. Coming. It's coming. It is. <laughs> Especially Vancouver. We were just yeah. talking about it in Vancouver. Like, man, because, you know, there is a phenomenon, and I apologize for anyone listening on the East Coast of North America, but the energy on the West Coast is different. I've lived on the East Coast. I'm from the East Coast. I grew up there, and their energy on the West Coast is different. And on top of that, you know, we have people doing some really cool things. Let's look, like, let's look at Vancouver. Think the work that you're doing, the fact that you are able to sell out your events and have people lining up and pay you good money, you know, these, these tickets to come, you know, for a couple hours to sit with you, that's fantastic. Things that we're doing here at Float House, the number of yoga studios, like, you know, there's this, you know, people here are doing this type of work, this energy work, this self work, and then and then practicing like you just did, like, okay, how can I flip this now? Like, it's just, it's cool. Like, there's a collective evolution happening here as well. It's beautiful. And that field is Vancouver growing. does feel like a hotbed for that. Yeah, yeah. And you probably travel into different cities and stuff. And yeah, would, would you agree to that? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and we're not tooting our own horn here in Vancouver, but... Good job. Yeah. Good job, Vancouver. <laughs> yeah. Nice job, guys. Yeah. And actually, you know, we should take this little pause to recognize the Coast Salish lands. We always just keep on mm. Vancouver. We at the beginning. I know. We really needed we, them more. I keep forgetting. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. We, sh- we shouldn't forget, lest we forget. Yeah. You know, the coast, unceded Coast Salish lands that Vancouver is, you know, I mean, I'll say it, illegally on, really. They just took this land and, and said, we're setting up shop. And it kind of got distorted over the last hundred years in terms of his communication and education of first nations people to, I know when I did my grade 10 history course, which is like the mandatory history course from the the curriculum I was involved with, we didn't learn anything about that. We didn't learn anything about the takeover and the genocide and, and, and just what, how that transition happened. They never uh-huh. went into detail. Uh-huh. You know, it was all just about the prime ministers and this party. And then this happened and, you know, it was just, that we didn't really touch into it at all. You yeah. Know? And for so, me as well, growing up in the States, right. you know, uh, that was lightly brushed over in our history as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
It's interesting. Yeah, I wonder who sets the curriculum. Is that's the question? Who sets mm. that curriculum? Mm. The who, victors who? always set the curriculum of history. Well, you know the <laughs> funny thing about that. This is uh, something I heard. I think it was on Rogan's podcast or maybe Tim Ferriss. A guy was explaining how now in Afghanistan, the U.S. military is actually taking over a lot of the schools there and teaching them their version of history about what's happening and what and what the US's role is over there and apparently that's actually happening now. There you go. Yep. Yeah, it's God help us. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Uh, literally. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's I mean, it's not all doom and gloom, but it's just like we live in a very interesting time, you know. And I'm sure whenever you live whoever those who are listening from the past you're living in a very interesting, <laughs> interesting time as well. You know, on the quantum level, they're all listening right now. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we do. We live in a really interesting time. And uh, with the tools of the Internet and just to be able to have this conversation and have this conversation that other people will listen to, I don't know, man. I, I mean, it's, it's going to be cool to see what unfolds the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years, 60 years. Yeah, for myself, I feel very optimistic about everything. I feel very optimistic about the future of humanity, essentially. And at the end of the day, we're, you know, I, I really believe that we are moving in the right direction. It's not as big or as fast as that we as we'd like, I think, but it is it is moving that way. It seems mm-hmm. to be more and more and more, and uh, it's 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 happening here. And it feels like Vancouver is an epicenter for all of that, and it does kind of emanate outwards, you know. Absolutely. people from here travel to other cities and now i used to, i saw it in like yoga yoga teachers a lot of local yoga teachers came up and became really popular like you know a little bit famous through here and now they've kind of gone out into the world and they're traveling and they're they're kind of spreading their message in different places which is really neat it's beautiful mm-hmm. i i agree i feel like this time that we're in you know we have immense challenges granted and and the more you look at it the more daunting it can seem however at the, the very same time the opportunities for uh, personal growth and and self-awareness and creating community across the planet to come together and and really help each other and and create a peaceful you know just world i i feel it it coming and i just i have to you know to stick to that dream and that vision um and, and keep moving forward in that direction and you know, it's kind of my own personal dedication that I've made to myself that that's what I'm here to to help with, and I'll do it until I can't anymore. Well, it seems like we're fighting the same battle. Yeah, yeah. you know, and and that's maybe a bad way to say it. we're fighting a battle. You know, but uh, we're healing you get the my same point. wounds. Yeah, yeah. Just be love farmers. Let's just <laughs> farm the love and mm-hmm. love farming. But uh, but you know, the big challenges that we face collectively and as a global society and a, and and it's kind of just like the micro, the macro version of the micro of, you know, the guy coming to you. How do we, those are the senseis. Those are the teachers. These are the challenges that we face. So how do we respond to these things? Yeah. Do we go and respond with more war or, or can we figure out something else? Is it possible? I don't know. You know, like, I think it is. I think we can start getting away from the natural competitive nature of of life i'd say on this on this planet we can we're at a point now where we can rise above that we don't have to worry about scrounging for resources there is enough resources for everyone Absolutely. so we can get away from the whole fear of lack mm-hmm. and once you get past that fear and realizing that you're going to be okay and we're going to have enough 
then then what? Well, now we don't have to, you know, try to accumulate masses of wealth or things or whatever that looks like for you. And just realize that there's enough to go around for everybody. And once you kind of get out of that fear space, I think that changes everything. Because I, I feel like so much of our culture is just rooted in fear. So much of how, for lack of a better way, we were talking about this earlier today, like, uh, you know, the system, if you want to call it that, the overall system of North America uh, is so rooted in fear, it feels like. Fear sells. You know, they use it even in advertising, fear of loss, fear of not being accepted, fear of not being good enough, fear of not being attractive, fear of not being loved, mm -hmm. you know, not being healthy, not being healthy. Yep. And I think that kind of goes back to just our reptilian brain of, uh, uh, of scarcity yeah. and back, you know, back when this was, that was serving us at one point, maybe it, it did have its place. Mm -hmm. And it was just a way to uh, remind us that we need to accumulate enough food to live. Luckily, we've evolved beyond that. Mm -hmm. But those programs, those that that old way of thinking, is definitely still with us. I think, mm -hmm. or it can be manipulated, you know. Yeah. But also, too, it's like you know, when a when a tribe of people, let's say there's a hundred people in a tribe back in the day, and they're thriving. Maybe they have just lots of food and abundance, and they have good harmonics, and they're working together collectively. It's like you know, that's kind of the model that needs to be extrapolated to our global tribe now like we have this global tribe yeah. so if there's you if there's a person over there who's sick you know or who's hungry can you do something for them right. can you do something what how do we work together yeah well the downtown east side is a perfect example i mean i don't see why we can't uh, how the city the people who are in charge and we, we've done our little charity things in, in the downtown east side right. but i mean we could i feel like as a city could be doing a lot better to help people down here you know um yeah that that's my random thought i was interjecting in there no, it's, and, it's and, true, and the other thing the other thing very poignant though you know this is something i've been thinking about for a long time and if i could give people one piece of advice anybody listening to this one piece of stop watching so much tv stop yeah. consuming so much mass media yeah. like that shit is poison yes. they literally just trigger your emotional centers like you know the whole phrase if it leads it bleeds I mean, the, what they're doing is they're tapping into your, uh, your again, your survival mechanisms, and it's going to give you that little release of sex. Yeah. So and it's, it's such <laughs> low-lying fruit. <laughs> you know, like, sex. <laughs> um, but, but you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. if, if you could do yourselves one favor, yeah. stop watching TV. Yeah. I, that's yeah. one thing I would say. I Tune into things like this, yeah. podcasts like this, where we can, you know, you're watching the news, you're going to get an eight-second soundbite, a three-second soundbite. How are you going to possibly know somebody's story in eight seconds? Exactly. I mean, we're sitting down right now. We had an hour-long conversation with you, and look at how deep we went this would never happen in the mainstream media ever right. Yeah. right yeah do you watch television no nice all right so yeah when did you occasionally stop? actually yeah yeah well i mean it's true i might like myself but you know with yeah like when did you kind of get off that train or have you always been off that train i you know i let's see when was that i i would say around uh, 1996 i i really started unplugging consciously like just saying i don't want any of this i don't want to absorb this anymore well i mean look at what's happening with like uh the conservatives especially in the united states yeah. right yeah and this fear of terrorism yeah really oh, they got us once okay they, yeah. and they got okay so let's say 9-11 happened and it was real and then there was the terrorists and a bunch of people died okay they got us but the the amount of backlash that that's caused and the fear i mean look at the perfect example 
uh, happened here in Vancouver. It was on right. Van City Buzz. Right. There's these three Islamic men, and they're they're walking through the Pacific Center, and they're they're just filming. And Van City Buzz, I mean, they posted this article saying police are now searching for three Islamic men who were filming around the, the um, Pacific Center, like filming exits, blah blah blah, right? Like like as if they were planning some kind of an attack. They came forward after seeing this article that went all all over the internet, and they were just three tourists from England. It's amazing. Yeah. And this is the problem. This is what keeps happening over and over. Mm-hmm. The risk of a terrorist attack is so small. You know, if it ever happened and you're in the wrong place at the wrong time, that's just awful. And I hope that never happens to anyone. But it's not worth some of the measures, the backlash that's being right. driven. I mean, look at um, – what's his name? Trump. His Half Trump. his campaign is about Islamic terrorists. Like, Really? Fear. You, it's yeah. ridiculous. Fear and, but he's the, got this huge group of people yeah. that buy into that. Yeah. Fear of the other. You yeah. Know, if it's not the terrorists, it's the Mexicans, you know. Or, right. And he wants to, you know. And the funny thing is we're hardwired for that as human beings. We are hardwired for that. And they play on that. The media yeah. plays on that. And these yeah. people, they know how to push your buttons. They yeah. know how to pull those those strings that are going to stimulate that response. You know, just turn it off. Yeah. You know, just yeah. – just, this is our community. This is real right now. The people in your life, the ones who are around you, this conversation, these are real connections. That's right. Tune into that. That's right. And you're going to realize there's not really much to be afraid of. Right. Right? Yeah. This whole fear of the other is uh, a distraction. You know, when uh, uh, we've fallen hard financial times, for example, after the crash of 2008, rather than going after the cause and making corrections there, <clears throat> they, you know, talk to the people who are at the bottom of the socioeconomic spectrum and get them to vote against their best interests by just pointing out, oh, that those people, those black people over there, or those poor people over there, mm-hmm. are these Mexicans coming up across the border? They're they're your problem. Never mind the bankers who you know Ugh. created this mess. Yeah, you know, and people who buying influence in the government. I mean, look at the, those people. Are the ones if you yeah. want to talk, they're they're the rulers. They are the rulers. They can they 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 make the law. They change the law whenever they want, and they manipulate the financial system. Right. <laughs> That's the most control you could have over a society. You control the money supply, and you control the legal system. That's right. That's right. So, and also, these people are our teachers and uh, bringing us, spurring us to take action. You know, yes. people like Trump. And I'll say it, Harper too. You know, yeah, uh, the Bush. You know, yeah. uh, they they they. Do such outrageous things that we have to wake up and, and chart a new course and come together. And it kind of like wakes us up out of our slumber. And you'll see in the um, in the Hindu scriptures, like the Bhagavad Gita, the, these demonic people or, or characters in the stories are actually fulfilling a, a divine purpose mm. by like getting us to like fulfill our dharma, fulfill our true purpose. Yeah. They, so they come along and we can like say, oh, you're bad. They're actually, what they're doing is like helping us wake up. Well, to- the, you know, the more crap that they start spewing out, I mean, how eventually people are going to be like, wait a minute, this does not make sense anymore. Yeah. 
And then you're like, oh, I see what you guys are doing here. And you'd be like, thank you. And then they pick up a chakra book and then, boom. (laughs) Right. (laughs) They go go read a chakra book. They go floating. And then they go to a throat singing journey. And their friend drags drags them to a Matthew Cousel sound journey. (laughs) Like, what? That's that's what's going down, folks. Yeah. Yeah. So welcome. Yeah. Welcome to the new world. It's happening. But I like that. I like that spin, though. I like that. That's that's, that's a cool thing about bringing in these ancient teachings, whether Mm. they're East. Eastern, like even even Christianity, like there are some of their fundamental teachings. There's a, there's truth in there, you yeah. know, and and I love exploring these alternative ways that other people have already thought of it and, and applying it to our day and age because it's the same patterns, and that's the thing, yeah. you know. Why am I fascinated by sacred geometry? Because it's patternistic, and we see these patterns in human behaviors. We see these patterns in growth and evolution and, and nature all the time, and we are part of that. And so these cycles and these rhythms and it's the same things, you know? And so, yes, different contexts, different layers of color or whatever, but it's the same base structure. And, you know, they, they identified that back then too. Yeah. It's so fascinating. It's all connected. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. We live in interesting times. And this was a very interesting conversation, I have to say. I I love the throat singing. And then we just spiraled. And that's that's, that's the beauty of podcasting. That's what happens. You just get into these awesome conversations with amazing people. So thank you so much for having me. Yeah, man. I really appreciate it. Cool. So um, is your your workshop sold out? I really hope it's not sold out yet. No, it's not. The the throat singing workshop? Yeah, on the 30th. I just actually listed it. Oh, the one on the 30th? No, that's not sold out yet either. Okay, I'm getting my take. Lisa and I are going to that one. Can I mention one other thing? Yeah, I always. forgot to mention. Please, um, <clears throat> if you've ever wanted to go to Peru and visit the sacred sites, and as I look up on the wall mm. there, they're showing. Reminded you there? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I have a dear friend who's a curandero from uh, Cusco, Jamie Alvarez Acosta, and he's the perfect guide to take us to the sacred sites. Um, it's October twenty second uh, into the first two weeks of November. There's a few different timing options, and Jamie will take us to the Machu Picchu, the Sacred Valley, Lake Titicaca, even into Bolivia to Tijuanaco, one of the most amazing ancient temples. And I bring my instruments with me and get to play during some of the sacred ceremonies and in some of these temples. That sounds extremely epic. It is extremely epic. And I went for the first time in 2013, and I feel like I'm still processing what I received there. Wow. Yeah. So there's wow. information for that at uh, omshaman.com as well amazing sacred journey to yeah check it out people yeah. looking like that's the thing I, I love doing these vacations and like when i take time off i'll go i'll do a retreat in peru you know and like have um these experiences that i not only am i getting my my time away in holiday but i'm also like getting this personal evolution happening and mm. uh, i love having that double whammy and i come back and i'm like i'm not even the same person you know on so many different ways and like you said, it takes time to process it all too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But yeah. The work has to integrate. Yes. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Always. Always. Cool. Well, awesome. Omshaman.com for Matthew's uh, uh, updates on all his events. His, his music is there as well. So check him out. If you are in Vancouver, I can't highly recommend seeing him in person. Um, thank you so much for, for everything, being a float ambassador and just being an active part of our community, uh, you know, means a lot. And thank you for coming on, on the show. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Cool. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for coming. I, I'm really looking forward to the 30th. I can't cool. wait for it, actually. Cool. I'm, I'm, I'm like literally looking forward to it, just getting in there and just like dissolving. Yep. yep. Nice. That's what happens. Mm-hmm. Awesome. All right. That's it. That's it. Until That's next it. time. To whatever right. is. To whatever is.
to whatever it is.